There was a story of a police officer who was back in 1992 in L.A. He was coming up and he saw this car that had been parked illegally. And so he, he comes up to him and he's, you know, he's so focused on his job and, and you know, getting this thing done. He notices the driver sitting in the, in the front seat and he sees that there's a gentleman who doesn't talk to him at all, writes the ticket, he's so frustrated and places the ticket on the dash and he even leaves. Sometime later, another police officer comes on the scene. Actually, the man had been shot, and he had been killed. I noticed there's a ticket on the dash. And so, so often, he was so you know, preoccupied this. And I just say, you see this and go, man, there's so many things in life. We go about our business, right? We're to be on mission. We don't realize that there are those who are perishing. There are those who are lost. And this is what I mean by the gospel mission. Your life, it's not just, just going right? Going isn't, isn't enough. You have to actually be. You have to be one who is, who is, you know, walking with the Lord, drinking the pure milk of the gospel, right? That turns into solid meat for Paul. You have to understand, you have to actually present something because the Corinthians were doing what? They're mixing the gospel and trying to present this confluted gospel thing to the world and saying, this is what you guys need. This is what's going on. And Paul's saying, no, your diet's all messed up, right? You've got it all backwards, Come back to the pure things of Christianity. And if we're going to offer something to the world, right, other than the world, other than a, than a mixed-up Jesus who's kind of quasi-Jesus, right, kind of hippie Jesus or whatever you want to say there, right, it, it's not the real, the real thing. It's not what changes lives. And God has placed you and I, if, you're, if you know Christ as your Savior, He's placed you on mission. There are people who need to know about Jesus, right? So here's the passage. This is His answer to dealing with with uh, the division, and it's, it, it's, it's completely saturated with, hey, turn your eyes upon God, and you'll see that as it jumps off the page. Uh, sec, or excuse me, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9, he says, Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Let me offer a brief prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this time once again you've given to us. Uh, Lord, we, um, we want to know more about you and about your word. So I ask, God, uh, open our eyes, open our ears. Let our attention be here, not what's happening later, but be here. Uh, encourage us, instruct us, grow us. Uh, and Lord, as always, allow every eye to be placed upon you and that I be taken away. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here is Paul's answer to these divisions. And the Corinthians are, are kind of focused on the who's, if you will, the what's and the how's of, of salvation or, or the gospel mission, right? And part of that is, is okay, right? They're, they're, they're who's are Paul and Apollos in our passage. We're focused on the who's, the what's is the preaching and the teaching, and the how's are the style and the eloquence, right? Apollos just, man, he sounds better. Therefore, he probably knows more, right? Have you ever been in that? This guy sounds better, so he knows more. This guy's jumbled. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. So that's kind of what's happening. And those things are important, aren't they? 
the house of gospel. Somebody has to go. Uh, Paul says in Romans 10, 14 through 15, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall uh, they preach unless they are sent? Right? There is an action on our part. There's a motion on our part. Those things are important. This Corinthian church came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior because Paul was a planter. Right? Because Apollos was an irrigator. Did I say that right? Irrigator? All the farmers go, yeah, it's pretty close, Pastor. Stick with that. Right? But we also says in this that God is what? He's the germinator. Right? It doesn't grow until God does something. So we know there's process. The problem with the Corinthians is they have kind of an earthly perspective. They're looking at it like this. Apollos preached, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Therefore, Apollos is the guy. And Paul is saying, no. Right? You might have come to believe, whether through Paul or Apollos or Cephas or whatever. It is God. God does the work. And why is that so important? Because today, that, that's still true today. God needs his, his sons, his daughters to take the message forward. Right? He still calls us to be planters. And, and maybe it is a church plant like Paul, but he calls us to plant seed. And he calls you to go and water it. Right? And both of those are important. And we work together. And he tells us it's all in unity. It's all in one. Right? This is how it is. But this is how God saves lives. And and the whole saving is up to God. Right? So here's how we go about it. If this is a gospel mission we're on, what are are the things? And Paul's saying, look, here's the division. Let's get all our eyes on to God. How how does he go about this? Well, the first thing that I see here in verse 5 is the gospel mission is service to God. Right? You're commissioning here your service. It's actually you're serving the Lord. Right? He says, who then is Paul and who is Apollos? but ministers through whom you have believed, as the Lord gave to each one. This is my translation. If your translation says, what then is Paul or what is Apollos, I think that's probably a better translation. You know, Paul's driving at this idea that it's not who they are personally. We tend to think, I don't have the right gift sets, I don't have the right personality, and we take ourselves out of this. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, regardless of my gifts, regardless of my personality, regardless of Apollos' personality, his gifts and all that, it is the function of the ministry, right? What then is Paul? What then is Apollos? And he uses this word, we're ministers. My says ministers. I don't know if he sure says that. Some will say servants, right? Paul has identified himself many different ways, hasn't he? In this letter, he's called himself an, an apostle. And throughout many of his other letters, we see things such as slave, free slave, chief of sinners. He's called himself a deacon, right? He's called himself a minister and a servant, And the word probably best translated is simply that, a servant. See, Paul's answer to this whole thing where we say, look, Apollos is the guy. He's awesome. I mean, he just, he looks good too, right? You get around him, he smells a little better, right? I don't know if that's there, but we can, you know, okay, right? He's Apollos. And Paul is simply saying, no, him and I both, we are just, we are just servants. We serve God. The gospel mission is service to God. Paul has told us in chapter 2 of this letter, in verses 3 and 5, it says, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
right? That's his thing. That's what he's saying again. Here, we're coming to you. Who am I? I am nothing. I am absolutely nothing. I'm just. And Apollos is just. We're just servants. God is everything. Turn your eyes to God. The gospel mission is service to God. This is what they're doing. Right? That's what Paul is saying. All we've been doing is just serving God. And there's an, an interesting parallel or something we should, we should grab hold of here is you know, this, these Corinthians kind of looked uh, upon servants as kind of mediocre, right? as, as below them, as, as you know, kind of the slave group. right? And so he's saying, look, we're, we're just like that group. We are the servants who are even under you. And the fact that you're saying, you know what, here's my guy. He's actually saying, here's my servant. Right? He's a play on their pride a little bit. He says, you've come to believe. Through our efforts, through our preaching, the planting, the watering, you've come to believe. This is the defining moment. This is what makes a Christian, isn't it? You believe on Christ. And how is this done? Paul says, well, it's not me. It's not Apollos. Only God can change a life. Right? He says in chapter 1, verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Those who came to know Christ through Apollos or Paul or Cephas or Jesus, right? He's saying all of it. All of it is the work of God. And see, today, our gospel mission, all our work we do, it's service. It's your service to God. This is how we get our eyes off of self, right? Eyes off of the issues, eyes off of the envy, eyes off of the other issues and problems and situations that are happening. We place them upon God because only God can make something grow. Only God can give the increase. Only God can do these things. I think, you know, oftentimes in, in, in life we have this, this tendency to place something upon a person. And maybe, you know, the Lord has worked in a mighty way. In their life, and we say, "Well, this is this this person or this guy, man. He's 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 got it." But oftentimes, when we do that, we think, "I will never be." That's not who I am. And in one sense, we say, "That's right. That's not who you are. God has made you differently, and your service to the Lord is just as important. And you're just as much on commission. You're just as much in in the work." and the ministry, and the calling to preach and go and make him known. And so step one of, of dealing with division and envy is to say, look, get your eyes off of self, off of the problems, place them upon God, and realize your service, your service is to God. Right? We trust his sovereignty. We trust his sufficiency. We say, Lord, yes, you are. I'm going to serve you with my life. But see, that's not enough for the Lord. Right? It's not enough that he just says, hey, this is good. Apollos, Paul, I mean, you came to believe. Right? Here's the question. You know, Lord, did he not do all this stuff? But it's not enough for God to simply say, well, yeah, you need to come and be a servant. This is good. Paul goes on in verses 6 and 7. And the, the gospel mission, right? it's not just service to God, but it's partnership with God. He says in these verses, I planted, this is Paul, right? And it goes, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither... He who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Right? It is, it is God. So here we have this picture. We've got the metaphor going. Right? Paul is a planter. And here he's not talking about the actual planting of seed and people. He's talking about the actual physical church he started, Acts 18. Right? In verses 1 through 18, this is where Luke tells us about this whole Corinthian church and where it started. And Paul is the one. He comes and he plants this church. He is a church planter. Right? 
church planner. That's Paul. And then uh, later on in Acts 18, 24 through 19, 1, we see and learn about Apollos. Apollos came on the scene, right? He was trained and he was eloquent. That's how we know Apollos spoke eloquently. They liked him. He talked well, right? He, did, he was real good with his words. Word good, right? Is that the, he do good word, something like that, right? He was good at it. And he was the water. He was the one who irrigated it. But Paul says, look, in all of this, in the planning of the church, in the time that when I was gone, the three years that expanse, and Paulus is there, all of this doesn't matter. We're all one and same in this gospel mission. It is God, but God, right, who gives the increase. What's interesting here is you see the different play on, on the verb tenses, right? He says, you know, the planting and the watering. They were definitive moments in time. And he turns around and he says in the imperfect tense, he says it's a continued work of God. The increase is a continued work of God. So this definitive moment, Paul is saying, when I planted the church, and this moment when I was gone and Apollos was here, God was simultaneously at work in all of it. God blessed the planting. God blessed the, the watering. God brought it to fulfillment. And it's an interesting mystery here, isn't it? We see an action in fulfillment. There is somebody who has gone. There's somebody who has planted. There's somebody who has watered. That it was God who made it grow. Because the question that floats in our minds is, couldn't God just make it grow? Yeah, that'd be great, wouldn't it? He doesn't do it that way, though, does he? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. God desires to work in us. And Paul is simply telling him, we are, we are servants. God is at work in, in my ministries, at work in Paul's. We're ministers. We're both ministers. And he's redirecting them. Come and bring your focus back to God. Right? Who is? What is Paul? What is Apollos? They're only servants. Neither he who plants is anything, he says in verse 7, nor he who waters. Corinthians had the wrong perspective. Viewing things from below, right? Instead of viewing things from above. So a servant needs to understand, right? All of us need to understand that our labor for God, right? It's in service to him. It's also service with him. Jesus told us this in Matthew 28, 20. And he says, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age amen this is the work it's ongoing god only god calls us to gospel mission he says i'll be with you i won't leave you i won't depart from you i am the one who is with you so when you take that light into a dark place whether it's in your family your co-workers you go somewhere and say you know what here's who jesus is or let me tell you about jesus let me tell you about a better way let me tell you about somebody who changed my life in that moment right he is with you Think about that for a moment. The Creator God walks with us, encourages us. It's service to Him, and it's also service with Him. He wants to partner with us. That's a, that's a pretty wonderful thought. Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is God who is at work. God makes the increase. You can't save anybody. We plant, we water, 
It's God who does this. Albert Martin in his book on pastoral theology, talking about this Philippian passage, he says this, this quote. He says, The call is to engage our whole being in the most concentrated, sober, and serious way to this, this business of working out our salvation in an ongoing life of obedience as revealed by the will of God. The incentive to do this is that God is working in us. God's working and my working are confluent realities in constant interaction. God is at work in you. The service we do, the rendering, the turning of our eyes and saying, this, this is who God, this is who I serve. That testimony of your life, that moment where you share that, say, hey, can I pray for you? That encouragement, this God is at work in the midst, only in you, but in the situation. This is who God is. And Paul is saying, look, turn your eyes to him. Right? Augustine says it like this, we do the work, but God works in us the doing of the work. Is anyone confused on that? I had to read that like five times. I'm like, I know he's saying something to me. Right? But we do the work, but God works in us the doing of the work. He's sovereign. He's sufficient. He's almighty. He's all-powerful. And you and I have a decision to make. Are we going to go live a life on gospel mission? Or are we going to say, you know what? I'm not so sure the Lord can do this. Would you ever say that? I believe none of you would ever say that. But in our walk and in our testimony, that's the very thing we're denying. We're denying the sovereign God has placed you in situations where he wants you to be a light. And I know all of us, all of us, I don't have to look or raise hands. We all have these moments where we're like, I blew it. I blew it. See, we need to rebound, come back around and say, you know what, it's God who's at work. God calls his children to trust me. I wouldn't place you somewhere where I am not with you. That's about believing. It's about being jealous for his glory. It's about saying, you know what, I'm going to love Christ more than myself. I know Tyson. Tyson wouldn't do this, but Tyson on fire for Jesus, he would do this. We see a difference, isn't it? Paul is saying your service, your service when you labor for the king, it's service to him. But it's also service with him. He doesn't leave you and say, hey, here's 20 bucks. Go be a light. Good luck, right? I'll be with you until the end of the age. It's a promise of our Savior. But see, even that's not enough for God, is it? As Paul begins to encourage these Corinthians, saying, hey, there's divisions. Turn your eyes. Get your perspective. Get out of your, your rhythm of not looking at this and look upon who what... Uh, who God is and what God can do. He goes on to verse 8, where I'm saying the gospel mission is rewarded by God. Right now, there's a service to him and service with him. Here it is. We see rewarded by him, right? Now he who plants and he who waters are one. We're in this together. Biblical unity. Here it is. And each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. The planter, right? The arrogant. They're one, right? And this metaphor shows the working together. It all takes place. It's all important. Can you imagine uh, if you have a garden, right? I know if you've ever done anything in your yard, whether it's a garden or plants, you know, right? If you don't plant anything but you water it, what do you get? From that moment, it's like, Adam... Come on, right? And you plant something and you water it and you're like, okay, what do we get? Weeds, right? It kind of seems to happen. We know this. Paul knows we know this. 
right? This is the illustration. You know, when you come, what happens if we were to water somewhere and we don't plant seed? Well, we get weeds. We don't want that. But what happens if we plant seed and we don't water it? And me and Kenny right here this morning, if you noticed all the flowers around the property Kenny's been planting, you can go tell him, awesome. I love it. And he planted some out against the fence out here, and I'm like, how, did, what, how is this happening? What are you doing? How's the drip line? He's got the drip line out there. I'm like, this is wonderful. Tell me all about it, right? We know. We're going to plant. He's planting from seed. I'm like, I get stuff that's kind of already grown. How about you? And I'm able to, to kill it and grow weeds. That's... <laughs> Kenny can go from seed, right? All these flowers popping up. Like, you're a farmer, right? Not good, right? It's our, our struggle. But we understand this. We understand. Isn't that metaphor? Doesn't it make sense? You living in this world, do you not see how the world is, is dry and, and broken? Do you not see how they're going without? We know. You and I, if you walk with the Lord, you know what the answer is, right? We know that non believers need a Redeemer. Jesus in this moment in John 4 where he's with the lady at the well and he tells her, you know, you need a drink of living water. You need living water. We know from Scripture that the world cannot answer their problem. I love how Peter, he talks about false teachers in 2 Peter 2, right? You know what a false teacher is? I love this. He says they're wells without water. Can you imagine being a well without water? Here it looks good. Right here, it looks like I have the answer, but I have actually nothing for you. So that's a church today that's, that's confused about the gospel. It looks good. They're kind of using the right language. Their walk is kind of different. But they really don't have anything for me. Peter goes on to stress that those who come in those moments, and they think they believed on Jesus, and they've tried Jesus, and it didn't work for them, it's even harder for them to ever come back. Why? Because I've tried it. In reality, they've never, they've never come to know Jesus. They've never come to know the living water. That's so important, right? And we know this from Scripture. What we know and the world needs more than ever is the pure milk of the gospel. And again, Romans 10. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sins? See, Paul and Apollos are effective. They're effective in this. Because they are completely faithful to it. They are completely connected with the Savior. They are sold out to this whole thing. They're all in. We're going to plant. Did, did Paul have struggles in life? There's times that people walked away from him. There's moments that people didn't believe. Yeah. There are times where he was beaten, stoned, and whipped, and he stood for the testimony. Yeah. It's a time of immense, you can imagine, discouragement. Yeah. But he was all in, wasn't he? And what does is, what is spiritual dryness look like in our lives today? It's, it's prayerless life. It's a joy, joyless life around uh, or about salvation. If there's no joy, I'm a saved. I'm redeemed. Right? You can sit there and go, look at my week last week. And man, he's, he's redeemed me, let alone all my life, right? Oftentimes we're critical, we're criticizing, we're angry, we're upset. Sometimes our service is purely out of duty, no joy. It's not connected to a Savior who's redeemed my life. There's negative thinking, right? Our faith is, it's not contagious. We're turning people off to Jesus, right? We don't hear his voice. 
because we're not in his word. Paul says, you need to come back. The world needs this, right? He says, each one will receive a reward. Encouraging. It's not a reward, excuse me, for your talent, but it's according to your labor. It's not your, your skill set, your gifting. It's your engagement. You're all in. Am I all in? Am I trusting? Paul's going to go on to say in this letter, it's by the grace of God we are what we are, right? We're shaped and reformed, and, and this is God's work. Trust him. Trust that he's given you gifts. He's placed you where he wants you. And know that he's a God of rewards. Your hard work, that's important, isn't it? Because your hard work doesn't go unnoticed. There's a sovereign God that says, ah, well done. And you may have labored somewhere, and you may have worked. You may go, and you know what? It's, 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 I'm not doing anything. I'm not seeing the fruit of this person who's doing this. God sees it. God knows it. God is sovereign over all of it. God is shaping you and refining you and making you useful for the kingdom and through all of it. And he rewards you. It's service to him. It's participation with him. It's rewarded by him. And my last point, Paul goes on to this in verse 9. As I said, the gospel mission is a, it's a commission from God. It's from him. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. The labor, the work for the Lord is to him. It's for him. It's devoted to This is the identity, isn't it, of every believer. Whether you're planting seed, whether you're watering seed, whether you're believing, whether you come and serving, all of this is from the Lord. From beginning to end. And it's interesting that Paul places this question. He's, he's saying, you know, whose are you? Whose are you? Who's, whose child? You ever see those parents who come across in a grocery store and have that moment, right? Who, where are your parents at, right? And if you're one of those parents who's got some kids, you're like, I don't know where his, those kids' parents are at, right? I don't, those aren't mine. I don't know, right? I think it's important for the believer to realize whose you belong to. Right, the whole moment of salvation, the adoption, calls you son, calls you daughter, sets you apart for, for work and labor in the kingdom. It's service to him, but he participates with you. He takes notice of everything, and through all of it, he is sovereign. Paul's simply saying, me and Apollos were fellow servants. That's what we are, but you are the field, you Corinthian believers. God has tilled, he's tilled the field. He's doing something in your life. He's also the architect, right? He's the building. He's building something in you. That's agreeable to Scripture. God has begun the good work in you. He's not going to abandon you. In those moments where you're out there and, and you're working and you're going, you know what, I've been praying, and I've been praying for this, and I don't see anything. It seems like it's not working. Well, keep going. Don't give in. Don't give up. Get both hands, right, engaged in prayer. Get all of who you are reading God's Word and getting focused here because God's got something for you. God has some type of plan where He wants to use you. This is who He is, and you are commissioned to get involved. Paul says in Romans 13, 11, he says, you know, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. I think too often in life, in our commission 
and are struggling with the world and struggling with the sins, which is real. But too often we make justification. Too often we make provision for the flesh. In these moments, we deny God's power, his sovereignty, his sufficiency, his glory. And we would never say that to him. But our actions bear witness. <coughs> so if that's you here this morning, I just challenge you. In this commission, in this, this moment of decision, and saying, you know what, I'm all in with my whole life. You know, if that's, there's a sin that's harboring, repent of it. If there is doubt nagging you, pray and ask for faith. James says it like this, right? If you're doubting, he says, But let him, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The world doesn't need a gospel that's mixed with the world. The world doesn't need a church or a follower of Christ just tossed about. You know, too often I think the church tries to go around helping people get water out of their boats while our boats are sinking. I think what Paul is saying, it's coming back and coming back to what it's all about, placing your eyes upon God, seeing the work he has done in you, being sold out. You're not going to be perfect. God is at work. That happens in the moment of glory. Until then, let your life, your testimony shine. Give yourselves fully to the reading of God's word, the studying of his word. Sometime back, we were, so I was talking with the men, and they shared this illustration, and I think it's, it's important to challenge you know, all our men this morning, challenge every godly woman, challenge every believer. You know, I, I love history, and I love the, the kind of the World War II era. It's always been fascinating to me. And, you know, if you've read any Stephen Ambrose books, Citizen Soldier and uh, Band of Brothers, and they're, they're quite, um, quite revealing to the sacrifice, to what, what the, the soldier did in the era, right? Where the, the Boy Scout uh, beat the junior SS kid. I mean, that's, that's what happened at Normandy. And I was watching, if you've seen the series Band of Brothers, and, and um, there's this one scene where this one private, probably all of us would identify with being very fearful, as, as anyone should be, right, in war. And he's afraid. He's having a hard time even firing his rifle and fighting. And he's in this foxhole, and it's at night, and there's this scene where a captain comes, and his name is, is Captain Spears, I believe, and the private's name is Blythe. And, and he asks the private, and he says, you know why, do you know why you're fearful? And, of course, he doesn't have an answer for that. And he tells him, because you think there's still hope. He says, not until you realize that you're already dead will you begin to function like a soldier without remorse. Right? And I, th- I saw that scene, I thought, that's how power, how, you know, how, what a soldier has to do. But as I thought about this scene, you know, it, kind of makes me, for me, I, I, I had this thought about the church. And it's, I thought, you know, there's a call. Jesus calls his children to pick up their cross and follow. And you and I are never going to follow. We're never going to go serve the Lord. We're not going to, to understand the joys of serving with him, participating with him. 
our reward is going to be lacking, right? Until we realize that we're already dead to the world. Until we're ready to let go of the world with both hands. Grab that cross and follow. That's, that's Paul. That's Apollos. Fully engaged. Sold out. They were ridiculed, abused, beat. That's happening in our world today. All over our globe. But God uses those who are sold out. Too often we'll, we'll be motivated. And we'll go out there and we'll try to evangelize. We'll share and we'll get, we'll get you know, some, some, some nasty you know, comments or words or texts or email or whatever. And we'll go, I failed. Or maybe that gives us some fear. When my son was, he's not here today, so I can tell on him. You know, when he, when he didn't pass his driver's test the second time, I was really bummed. And I remember sharing with him, this another military illustration, but uh, there's this, this guy named Jocko, he's a, he's a retired Navy SEAL, and he shares these motivating little blogs and, and uh, videos, and he talks about failure. And you, you, you come to this moment where you realize this is why Navy SEAL keeps going. You just have to kill them, others. They don't stop, right? And he has this thing. He talks about how failure is good. And he shares a story about a person coming to him. He says, well, I failed in this. And he says, good. And he's like, why would you say good? So he says, you've learned. Right? You've adapted. You've processed. You've found a way this doesn't work. And he goes to this little talk, and he gets to the end of it, and he says, it's what you need to do, right? When failure happens, right? Is reassess, recalibrate is the word, right? Reload, recalibrate, and reengage. Too often in the church, we say, you know what? I can't. And Paul is saying, you're right. You can't. Paul is saying, he can't. Apollos, he's telling him, Apollos can't. God can. God desires to move through his sons and daughters who are fully engaged and sold out. The world doesn't need another quasi bunch of believers. The world needs a group of believers who say, I am sold out. I'm going to grow my sanctification because I know God is at work in me. I'm going to continue to work on my sanctification because God is at work in me. I'm going to continue to press on because even in this, when my eyes say one thing, I know my Savior says something else. And I am committed to this. Tim Challies, when he was summarizing John MacArthur's ministry, the legacy of it, he talked about the world and he said, as a quote from John MacArthur, as long as the church is worldly, it cannot serve the world. Cannot give the world this commission. You cannot give the world Jesus if we're just mixed with the world. And Paul's answer to division, to envy, to strife, to a church that needs to turn the corner, set their eyes upon God and go forward, is to realize your service is for God. It's to God, partnership with God. It's re- re- rewarded, excuse me, by God. It's commissioned from God. 
It's all of God. This is the most theocentric five verses in the Bible, and he just puts it all upon the Lord. And thus the Lord builds his church. We labor in vain. Paul says it's time, right? Get going. Stop looking upon ourselves, looking at others. Take the gospel mission. Let the gospel be rooted in your life. Find the areas, right? The gospel mission is simply that. If the Bible, the gospel is central to the Bible, it should be the, central of his, uh, the centrality of his church. It should be at the center of your life. That's who he is. That's what God wants. And when we see that in our own lives, we will see growth. We'll see outreach. We'll see things happen. And it won't be. At that moment, we'll say, look what I've done. We will say, look what the Lord is doing. What an awesome God. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness. God, your grace, your mercy. You are mighty. I thank you, Lord, that, that even at times where we, we don't see you or we're just not thinking about it, we're preoccupied. We know you are real. And Lord, we know that you are constant, consistent, that you're at work in your children. And this morning, Lord, we simply come and we say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for putting us on mission. Thank you for being with us and going with us. Thank you for liberating us. Lord, and knowing that you are sufficient. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. Thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our conversations and our lives and where we go, you are, man, you are there. That you're always shaping and, and, and making us into what you want us to be. I thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. And Lord, this morning I'd like to just take time and pray. Pray for our fathers this morning. Pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, strengthen them. I pray, Lord, for those moments where maybe they feel they're inadequate or they failed. I ask, God, that you would minister in a way that opens their eyes. The fact that you are the ever-present God. Lord, let them model the influence they have. Lord, let them model a life sold out to you. Lord, I pray for all our godly men. I pray for our godly uh, women. Lord, let us be a church that follows, calls upon you, cries out to you and says, you are awesome. You are great. Lord, through all of this, let us realize you are the mighty God. You can change lives. So let us be encouraged this morning. Lord, continue the work in us. Work through us. Let us be ministers, preachers of your word. Let us take fully what the gospel means in our devotion time, our time with family, our time with kids, every area, every element. Let us see the work of Christ. And we commit it all to you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We pray this all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.